Miamians and listeners from around the world, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net. Today's guest, we have Bob Murray, General Manager of the James L. Knight Center in the heart of downtown Miami. We will take a deep dive into the services and wide range of uses and how to do business with the convention center. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you have any questions, you could email us at miamiglobalnet at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe on our channels and thank you. Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we showcase the people and organizations that support Miami's international landscape. Learn from local business owners, startups, diplomats, and community leaders. Get to know the tools and services that are out there that help you invest and grow in South Florida. Miami is a true global city where one can live and do business with a global reach. Well, welcome, Mr. Bob Murray. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Awesome, awesome. So Mr. Murray is the general manager at the James L. Knight Center, um, which is located in downtown Miami, correct? Yep. Um, if anybody has any questions regarding how the convention or the center works, they can look up the website at jlkc.com or call 305 Four one six five nine seven three. All right. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Bob. If I may call you Bob. <laughs> sure. Sure. I've uh, I've lived in Miami about for about forty years now. I've been at the Knight Center since nineteen ninety nine. Um, so I have a fairly long history there, and uh, I live in the Edgewater area, and uh, have. Uh, was fortunate enough to get a new Jack Russell puppy right before COVID set in. That must have be a nice, a nice companion during these oh, times. Yeah. yeah. You were originally from? Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York. Have you gone back? Oh yeah. I get back really quickly. My mother still lives up there and I have a lot of friends up there. And then I lived in New Orleans for seven years as well. New Orleans. I have not been, but I hear that it's, it's, they have some very cool parties. This is true. And you can also get an education there, as I did. <laughs> well, we get the same here in Miami. It's a party city, but you can do business globally as well here. So. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, the, the James L. Knight Center. Sure. Um, James L. Knight Center is a multi-purpose facility located in the heart of downtown Miami. We're right at, on the Miami River at Brickell Bridge. Uh, there are four main components to the facility. There's a 5,000-seat theater that's used for concerts, business meetings, graduations, uh, televised events. Uh, another component is the uh, Miami Convention Center, which is 28,000 square feet of carpeted exhibit banquet space. Uh, and then there's the Miami Conference Center, which is, uh, has a 444-seat auditorium and about 18 other meeting rooms and a lecture hall of various sizes and configurations. And then the final component is the 615-room Hyatt Regency Miami, uh, where all, local, all these components are located under one roof in, in one facility right in the middle of downtown Miami. We're connected to the Metro Mover. We have the Knight Center Station 
And then we also have a 1500 space parking garage in the Miami Tower, which is the Knight Center parking garage operated by Miami Parking Authority. Awesome. So it seems to me like a very wholesome event space for all sorts of of sizes. You got the hotel, you got the parking, you got the, tra the local transportation. Well, essentially what happened, the building was opened in October of 1982, and it was conceived under and, and pretty much modeled under the European Congress model. Um, the original space where the convention center is now located uh, was actually retail space. Um, and then shortly after the venue uh, went uh, open, it went into bankruptcy. Um, and so the city converted that retail space. They had the foresight to convert all that retail space into the convention center space to attract more diverse events. Okay. And what is, what is the European Congress model exactly? Basically, what the European Congress model does is you build a large facility, a, a, a theater, type, a large theater, say anywhere from 2,000 to maybe up, in our case, 5,000 seats. And then you have complimentary breakout and meeting space. And then you have a hotel attached to the facility to house delegates for governmental meetings, medical meetings, uh, governmental type assemblies. Um, you know, large international gatherings. And that was the intent behind the facility. Okay, cool. So now that you mentioned governments and, and delegates, which, what was the, the latest or, the, or the, the one that you remember the most? Did you, what kind of delegate did you receive? I, I guess the most, uh, the most interesting event we had was the Free Trade of the Americas. Um, that was a very controversial, high-level uh, event that determined the trade rules of the uh, the Americas, North, South, and Central America. Uh, as you may recall, they build, there were a lot of protests, uh, a lot of violent protests around um, around the city and around the venue. Uh, the security was incredibly tight to the point where they put up. 10-foot barricades surrounding the facility. Uh, we had the SWAT teams living inside the facility with us. Um, it, was, it was a very, very interesting uh, event and uh, uh, one which we certainly would never soon forget. I can, I can only imagine just being there at the floor because I've been there a couple of times so I can visualize um, because it's it's massive, but it's also tight. You know, it's in the downtown right. and it's packed. Um, how does that? How does was the hotel affected if if it was for this kind of event? Was it all booked for this particular event, or because I'm, I'm assuming it's it's two separate entities, right? You got the was it the Hyatt you said? Yes. And then you guys, but yes. you guys are together. So in this kind of event, do you recall how how the hotel? maneuvered itself? Yes, well, it, it, as, as is typical with any event, this, this facility is designed to generate heads and beds and keep the hotel full. Um, without the meeting space that, that we have at the facility, the Hyatt would be much more reliant on transient guests and wouldn't be able to book nearly as much corporate business as they're able to do. Um, so th for that particular event, the hotel was exclusively booked for and blocked for 
uh, delegates, diplomats, their support staff, production people, security personnel, etc. I mean, we're talking ex extremely tighter security than when the president comes to, has been to the venue in the past. Um, and especially given the fact that there was violent protesting going on in the streets all around us. Um, but as is typical, say, some of the bigger events we've also had uh, on a security basis, uh, probably the IBM shareholder meeting was the tightest security I've ever seen for any event because you have the entire board of directors of IBM on site. And if anything happened, if there was any kind of incident, the stock market would be severely impacted because you have the CEOs of a lot of the Fortune 500 companies all in one space. Um, so to that extent, again, the hotel comes into play because they can safely and securely accommodate all of those CEOs, their staffs, their production people, their security, etc. It must be. It must be. It must be. It must be impressive to be because like, I'm, I'm. I'm assuming where these kind of high level events, you you take an active role in being there present. Because I know you have a staff. You have a professional personnel, but I'm sure you take you take part of that, right? So you're there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's most of these events, especially any events, uh, say involving presidential or Secret Service protected individuals. Um, they're, they're a pleasure to work with. They're totally professional people. Uh, and actually my role is somewhat diminished when they're on site because whatever they say goes. And, uh, so there aren't a lot of decisions for me to have to make because they're making all the decisions and calling all the shots. Um, but, um, no, it makes it, makes it very, very interesting. That's cool. That's cool. I've heard the same thing that working with the secret service and all those kind of people is it's, it's, it's really a, a professional a pleasure to to work with them. I've heard good things of 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 the stories, of course, of people telling me that they've gotten to to work with them when um, the president comes in, for example, and they have to arrange the motor cage with the city of Miami Police Department, for example. Um, how many how many events are, are are we looking at? Do you normally handle on a regular non pandemic year? Uh, a typical year, if you include all the space, including the hotel. There's anywhere, we'll do anywhere from 450 to 600 events. Um, obviously, there are more events than there are days in the year uh, because oftentimes, especially in our busy season, our busy season runs really from the beginning of October till about the beginning of December and then from January 15th till about the 1st of June. And on any given Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, we may have a sold-out concert up in the theater. We may have a trade show going down, down in the convention center space. We may have a meeting over in the conference center. And Hyatt may have a banquet for a 1,000 people downstairs in the ballroom. So some of those, those weekend nights and Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights in season will have anywhere from four to 8,000 people in the venue at one time, all moving in sort of different but coordinated directions. It sometimes looks a lot, of, little bit chaotic, but there's always a, an organized plan of how to flow people through the building and getting them in and out safely. So in, in one of these packed days that you guys are in full capacity that day, I'm assuming, of course, your guests have their own staff and personnel. And how many people do you have on hand that are, that are, maintaining and supporting these events that are a part of your team? It really depends upon the event. For a typical concert, 
Um, we'll have uh, my direct level staff. Um, we'll have typically uh, 17 to 22. And then on subcontracted staff for cleaning, security, ushers, et cetera, uh, depending upon the event, anywhere from an additional 40 to 70 individuals. Awesome. That's, that's, that's a big team. It, I understand you guys also provide um, the food, right? Hyatt is the exclusive concessionaire at the facility. Okay. So, so anyone wanting to do business with you guys would have to um, get the food from, from Hyatt. Correct. And how do you guys, how do you guys, I've been there for a couple of food shows. How does that work? Is that like a, like That's, a <laughs> if you're there for a food show, like for instance, we do the iron, the new times iron fork event every year in October. Um, th that's considered a trade show where you're doing sampling food and what have you. It's not a banquet function per se. Um, but, uh, so that's really just a trade show where you're going and booth to booth to booth and hopping and Hyatt's really not involved with any of that because those are the various restaurants throughout Miami Dade that are sh show showcasing their, their goods, uh, on a banquet function. That's all set up by Hyatt and their banquet staff, their food and beverage and banquet staff. Okay. Um, from your experience, what kind of industry do you see using your space more? Is, or, or is it um, all over the place? It's really, it's, it really varies. We have so many different types of groups coming in. Uh, obviously, on the concert side, we do a lot of, we're one of the busiest Latin venues in the country. Uh, we do a lot of urban shows. We do a fair amount of Anglo shows. On the, on the meeting side, uh, we do a lot of corporate meetings. Um, and there, some are international, some are, uh, are, are national, some are local. It really just depends upon the group. It's, 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 it varies widely all over the board. Which one, which one of your venues would you say is used to the most or, or the most popular? The theater. The theater. Yeah, because we because of the number of ticketed events we do in there. Between the ticketed events, the corporate events, graduations, um, that's the busiest component, and that's the big that's our biggest revenue driver. Can you tell us a little bit about the the structure? I think last time that we've met, you mentioned that you guys are you run independently, but you guys are part of the city of Miami. No, we are no? actually. I work for a company called ASM Global, okay. formerly SMG. SMG and AEG facilities merged last October and creating the largest public facility management company in the world. We manage over 330 arenas, stadiums, conference centers, theaters, equestrian centers, and, and multi-use facilities on five continents from Australia, China, Europe, um, and in, uh, basically all over the world. Um, so we have a management contract with the city of Miami to operate the facility for them. So, so the city of Miami owns the facility, like the, all the spaces, and then you guys just, you manage it. Correct. We manage the, uh, the city owns the entire property. And then we manage the theater, the convention center and the conference center, and then Hyatt rents their tower. Uh, where their rooms are in the banquet room, the banquet space, their, their limited meeting space uh, from the city of Miami, and they pay them a, percent, a, a base rent plus a percentage of their net sale, gross sales. Would you happen to know how my, the city of Miami ended up with a facility that had a 
a hotel or or did the Hyatt build the hotel? No, the, the, it was built by it was built in, originally in it was a partnership between the city of Miami, the University of Miami and the developer. The University of Miami uh, operated the conference center for many, many years until 2000, since it opened in 82 until 2010. At that point, the university had really had a large network of non-centralized facilities all over the state, all over the county, all over the state. And Dr. Shalala decided that it was time to rein reel some of these in um, uh, just because it was just getting too uh, unmanageable. So the U UM basically turned that space over to the city and let the city be the beneficiary of operating the uh, the space and generating and receiving the revenues from that space. Cool. Cool. I, I did not know that. What, what should people know before doing business? I know that maybe sometimes letting you know with a certain amount of time in advance. It really just depends what you're doing. Uh, okay. For instance, most concerts, uh, like for right now I'm booking concerts because it's COVID where most promoters aren't booking anything right now until uh, they're all looking around April, probably May of 2021 of next year. Um, concerts typically book six months in advance. Um, a lot of meetings and conferences book years in advance because they need to secure the, not only the space, but the hotel block. Um, some of the bigger meetings, because it's, it's fairly complex and they have to budget for it and program for it, they'll book years and years in advance. Um, for local groups looking to do, uh, say, banquet functions or uh, parties, what have you, um, they typically will book uh, four months, six months out. It really just depends upon the group. But if, if you're looking to secure space for, say, a concert or a ticketed event as a promoter or for a meeting or or banquet type function, they're typically booked at least six months out. You did you find it that because of the because of COVID, did, did business just like shut down completely? Yeah, we shut the building down on March twelfth. Okay, uh, this is you guys proactively. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. absolutely. We we absolutely we totally shut the building down to uh, any attendees or any events. All mm -hmm. events were canceled. They remain canceled. The venue remained open um, at the request of the city of Miami in the event that they needed to use it for storing equipment, possibly as a uh, as a hospital. Uh, you know, at that point, we just didn't know. But we've kept we've kept the facility up and running uh, since uh, March 12th. Uh, it's actually been a great opportunity for us. Uh, we stepped up some capital improvement projects, some big capital improvement projects that weren't scheduled to our till our downtime, which is August, September. Um, for instance, we're just now completing the remodification of a huge freight elevator that brings all the equipment into the theater. Uh, and that's a big project. It's been about, uh, it was scheduled to be an eight and a half week project. But because we got a jump start on it and just pulled the trigger when we knew this would be a long-term shutdown, mm. uh, we were able to get it in with no overtime ahead of, ahead of schedule. We'll be almost three weeks ahead of schedule on completion and final approval. 
Um, we've uh, totally, you know, re redone every room in the facility has been repainted. All the restrooms have been redone, and now, especially with with the COVID, we're looking forward to reopening probably in another thirty days. Um, and there will be all new policies, procedures, et cetera, to uh, keep people safe and, and create a, uh, an environment that, is, that, that, that people have confidence in and feel safe as, uh, in returning to the venue. Cool. And I'm glad that, that uh, people are reaching out to book for next year. So it's in a way, it's kind of like a anticipation of people are thinking that there'll be some sort of return to normalcy in terms of the use of event spaces. We'll, we'll, we'll inch our way back. It's going to be very, very slow. Uh, the hotel actually never shut down during the, during, has never shut down since March 12th. Um, as a matter of fact, it's, it was, it housed uh, early on uh, a number of uh, city of Miami employees and some elected officials who were exposed to COVID and quarantined there. Um, and then some of the city first responders stayed there while they were in quarantine. Uh, and they've, uh, we just, we just felt it was important to keep the hotel open, uh, so that we had a safe place for the city of Miami employees to go, uh, in event, in the event they did have to quarantine. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be very slow going. Uh, I mean, our, the first event we're going to have, uh, is the, uh, Miami-Dade County. We do a lot of testing for city and county employees, uh, for police, fire, et cetera. And Miami-Dade County is actually be testing, uh, I think, 140 employees on the 7th of July. Um, so we're, oh, wow. we're that's like right around the corner, right yeah. around the corner. Yeah. So um, we're you know just going very slowly and very deliberately, very cautiously, and uh, taking following policies and procedures and protocols that are aimed number one to keep everyone safe and uh just follow best practice okay can we can you expand a little bit on the services um i understand that you know, like high speed electric internet electrical sound i'm sure you guys have everything uh, possibly that one can think of and need on site um yeah we do we do we've got a great complement of of sound as, as far as our sound our internet connectivity um, we, our internet connectivity, we partner with a company called Single Digits out of New Hampshire. They're one of the premier uh, internet service providers in the country. Hyatt just recently uh, took on, uh, started using their services as well. So now we're both interconnected uh, with Single Digits. Um, we've got, uh, we keep two gigs of broadband in the facility. Uh, for some of the larger events we have, for instance, we had LinkedIn come in for a big, big event, and they use a tremendous amount of bandwidth. Uh, we brought in an extra 10 gigs for a total of 12 gigs. Um, there are some small countries that don't have 12 gigs of, of bandwidth. Um, Impressive. So we've got, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of bandwidth as far as our AV, our audiovisual, uh, we have uh, one of our, our, AV, our preferred AV providers, a company called PPAV, and they provide all of the uh, audio and visual for any of our meetings, whether it's in the small space or the big theater. And then inside the theater, 
we have our, our vendor is called L Acoustic. Uh, they have the big PA cluster, the, the big sound systems you see when you go to concerts. Um, L Acoustic is one of the top three brands in the world. Uh, we recently had, last summer, we had the International Trumpet Guild uh, in the facility. It was all, basically all the best trumpeters in the world, uh, both amateur and professional. And they host an event annually in, internationally, and they travel all over the world. And they uh, had remarked to us that it was probably the best, acoustically, the best sound venue they'd been into in many, many, many years. Um, so we're obviously very pleased with that. Um, all our, our, for our uh, rigging and our stagehand is provided by local 500 uh, of IATSE. Uh, we have very experienced union guys. It's only the theater where the union uh, staff work, uh, but they're critical to our operation. They're all very experienced, very knowledgeable, um, and they're the guys that make it happen. Especially nowadays that you know, live streaming is becoming so so used and that a lot of people are depending on this whole online platforms to deliver content of all sorts of um, types. Um, I, I, it would be necessary and important to have that kind of level of, of access. So it's good to know that the internet is there and if and you guys can get more of that capacity. Um, my next question is, have you ever had an event that booked everything, including the hotel? Oh yeah. We have, we, a lot of our corporate events do that. They take over the entire space. Um, for instance, when LinkedIn was in there, they took over the entire facility. Um, we have a uh, we have a number of shows that will come in. The hotel will never give up their entire 615 room block because they have contracts, for instance, with some air, with a number of different airlines for their flight crews that use the hotel on a daily basis. Um, and then they have to accommodate their their transient guests, especially Hyatt Passport or Hyatt Gold uh, Elite status. Uh, clients, uh, so they typically don't give out any a block any larger than say 400. Uh, one of the great things about that is that we have nearby, for instance, when we hosted Super Bowl, we were able to accommodate. Hyatt was able to accommodate um, most all of the NFL folks, uh, a lot of the NFL staff in the in the Hyatt, uh, and then. The team headquarters for the Chiefs was across the street at the JW Marriott. Then we have the Epic, which is also right across the street, uh, literally across the street. Um, so that gives us the opportunity, that gives us access to about 1,800 four-star, three-and-a-half, four-star and above hotels. Um, and then, you know, right across the river, you've got the Viceroy, you've got the uh, Intercon uh, two blocks away. Um, so there, there's a really good hotel component that's within two to three blocks walking distance of the facility. I was going to mention the walking distance, especially nowadays that the weather is right on point, you know? Yeah. And mo most of your events, do you see them happening at a particular time throughout the year? Or is it again, like sprinkled throughout. It, it's, it's our, our peak season where we're booked 
or something's going on seven days a week really happens from about the 1st of October until the 1st of December. Then we have a little slowdown for the holidays. And then all of a sudden, January 15th hits, and we pretty much go nonstop till about the 1st of June. And then it slows down a little bit. But we start to, we've, over the years, we've be, we started to see really about 10 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, more and more summer business because the rates are more attractive. It's winter in South America. So we tend to see a lot of South American activity coming to Miami um, in the summer months. So it really is a 12-month a year operation. How do you measure the success of an event? Like what says to you, like this was a successful event, like, you know, after the, from start to finish, is there something that, that, that you can point out to us? Well, typically, obviously, with a concert, it's when the, if the show is sold out because then the promoters made money, the venues made, we made money on behalf of the city of Miami. Um, so those are, those are pretty much no brainers. Um, as far as trade shows, it's all about attendance and the number of attendees. Um, for the conferences, um, it's, it's typically a little bit different because of structure. It's, it's really uh, judged by uh, service review uh, that we do with the client post-event, what we did right, what we did wrong, and we learn from our mistakes. Hopefully, we don't have a lot of mistakes, but we learn from our clients. Prior to the event, it's really all about preparation. Um, we do extensive, we spend a great deal of time, whether it's a concert, a corporate meeting, uh, even a banquet or a graduation. We spend a tremendous amount of time advancing events um, and, and really nailing down logistics on a, uh, from everything from audio to video to service to meeting times, when they want the rooms changed over, how they want them set up. Um, so there's a lot that goes. So 90% of the work is done before the meeting even starts. So if you're well-prepared, and well-organized, and you've communicated effectively with your lessee or the, the promoter or the meeting planner, whoever you're working with, um, that, that's, that's, that, then you've done a good job. What's your favorite part of, of this kind of job? My favorite part of the job, oddly enough, is pulling into the loading dock where my parking space is, getting out of my car, and rarely ever making it directly to my office. There's always something going on. There's always some, something that needs fine-tuning, something that needs tweaking. Uh, I tend to walk the building even prior to going to my office, checking on events, say they're loading in a trade show, uh, they're loading in a concert. Um, so it's, it's sort of you, you, you get energized very quickly with the buzz of activity for an event that's getting ready to be uh, you know, maybe a, a business meeting is going to kick off at nine o'clock or nine thirty, or even a concert that is going to kick off till eight o'clock. There's just a lot of preparation work, uh, and it's a beehive of activity, and uh, and uh, that's that's really the most fun. So you you must you must be then a a like professional organizer. I mean, with all these things happening all over the place um, in any given day, you must have like this ex this like extreme. Um, organization strategy is, is there is there like a tip for those that could improve the organization well there's no no real organized strategy 
Um, <laughs> I, I always joke with my staff and with my, my clients that I typically walk in with two loaded fire extinguishers on my, on each hip and they're usually gone by 10 o'clock. Okay. But, um, you know, things change dramatically during the course of the day. Things happen. Maybe equipment doesn't get delivered, so you have to scramble and find other equipment. And it's usually the client's equipment that doesn't get or shipments get missed or, or catering isn't done properly. Or, you know, things happen. Things go wrong. And you just have to roll with it and make good decisions and, and put the fire out. Now, since we're talking about fires, now I'm curious, is there any fire that was kind of like like your biggest, but you were able to take care of? Um, geez, I, there's so many, there, there are fires every day. <laughs> or, um, or, so, or the most memorable one. Yeah, it I mean, have well, to be just, the most insane. Just recently, I, I mentioned here earlier about the, uh, we were uh, renovating the uh, freight elevator. When I say this freight elevator, it's a big freight elevator. You can literally drive a good sized truck inside this freight elevator. It's about 30 feet long. It's about 15 feet wide. It's about 15 feet high. It has a 25 ton capacity. Um, and it really is the Achilles heel of the, the, the facility because all of Hyatt's food has to go up that elevator, either to the riverfront hall level or up to the, the theater level. All of the equipment for a concert has to get unloaded from a truck and loaded into that freight elevator and then raise three floors up to the theater level. Uh, the morning of, I don't remember which concert it was, but it was in February, uh, someone had damaged the freight elevator on the Friday night and didn't report it to anyone. Uh, they had damaged, somehow damaged one of the gates and didn't tell anybody. So when we got there, at, when the stagehands got there at 7.30 in the morning, ready to unload two semis full of gear for the concert that night, the freight elevator didn't work. Mm -hmm. So we had to back the truck down in the loading dock, unload it manually and push all the way through the back of house at Hyatt using Hyatt service elevators. They're all four of their service elevators um, and then push it all the way across because the service elevator, Hyatt service elevators on the other side of the building so we had to push it all the way across the other side of the building to the theater where it had to go. Um, and we literally, we probably only lost about 45 minutes, maybe an hour at most. Um, but literally everybody was all hands on deck moving gear because the show had to stay, had to get the show loaded, get the lights up, get the rigging up, get the sound check, get the rehearsal and open doors at seven o'clock because the show has to start on time. Otherwise there's a tremendous financial penalty. Yeah. I, I love stories like this because it's like you have, you have the fire in hand and then there's, there's always a way, right. To kind of fix it using to find it. And then that yeah. experience, those, those moments are like, you got your adrenaline rushing that your, your fixing hat is on. And at the end you find a, a solution and then it's like, great. Yep. No. And, and at the end of the night, when you have a happy promoter and you're writing him a check for a couple hundred thousand dollars, he's very grateful that you, you know, your staff pulled through and, and made it happen for him. Oh, I and agree. It didn't cost him a dime extra. And, and lastly, lastly, I, I don't want to take too much of your time. The name James L. Knight Center. That's a person, of course. Yeah. Who is that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. J James L. Knight and John L. Knight were uh, the owners of, of Knight Ritter Publishers. 
and they own the Miami Herald as well as many other uh, night publications around the country. And they were very generous benefactors in the city of Miami and to the city of Miami. And they really put, they planted the seed and they gave the seed money to get the construction of the facility off the ground and get it designed and built. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, if anyone is interested in uh, learning more, they can check out the website. They could also check out our show notes on our website and you'll be able to find the information for the center. Bob, thank you so much again for taking the time to join me and um, to learn more about the center and what you guys do. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.